You're listening to Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. We're in the book of Acts again, um, because uh, we're studying just chunk by chunk through the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, flip to Acts chapter 8. Um, it's the fifth book in the New Testament. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then there's Acts. Then a couple pages in, you've got chapter 8. Um, if you do not have a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles in the seats next to you, underneath you, nearby you. Just, you know, kind of be friendly with the person next to you and reach underneath their, sh- their knees and grab a Bible. Make a new friend, grab a Bible. And if you do not own one, you can take that home with you today. We'd love for you to have that. Acts chapter 8. Um, and, and this is an interesting story. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and read the in, in, uh, chunk by chunk for you today because there's three different sections. And I'm just going to start with the first section. So if you would stand for the reading of the word. Uh, We're just going to read a few short verses, and then I'll have you sit down, and we'll dive into the rest. Lord, we ask as we read your word this morning that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we would respond to it, that we would do your word this morning. Um, And so would you reveal to us ways in which we are in step with you, but would you also reveal to us ways in which uh, maybe we've stepped outside of the way that you've called us to live? Would you convict us of those things and call us to repentance and lead us to a life that is pleasing to you and good for our souls and good for those around us as we live a life of witness. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so if you remember, we left off last week with uh, Saul, right, had just been present at the stoning of Stephen, and, and then he started to persecute the church, and the disciples were scattered, and this is where we pick up in verse 4. Now, those who were scattered by the uh, persecution went about preaching the word because scattering is not going to stop them. They're still going to preach the word of God. They were preaching the word and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds were of one accord and they were paying attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and when they saw the signs that he did. The unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, and there was much joy in that city. This is the word of God this morning. You may be seated. Okay, quick introduction to Philip. He was one of the disciples, right? And he was one of the ones that was responsible for preaching the word of God, not the ones that were responsible for necessarily the bowls and the baskets, the feeding of the widows, okay? So here's a guy who is preaching the word of God, and because there was great persecution, there's Philip, because there was great persecution in the church at the time, he was moving to Samaria. Now, um, Samaria was like the... Um, in Jewish culture, they were like the, uh, the redheaded stepchildren or the, the cousins that um, nobody wanted to talk about. They were, they were not cool enough or good enough to be Jews, okay? And so there was this great schism in the family of God, and Samaritans were not considered worthy to be part of the family of God. Um, but Jesus is like, that's just hokum. And so we're just going to preach the gospel to everybody. And so Philip went down to Samaria, and he started preaching the gospel to the Samaritans, and they were super excited about it because someone was finally telling them, hey, you belong. Hey, God loves you. Hey, you can be part of the family. Hey, guess what? God will heal you of your sickness and of the things that you're struggling with. And great miracles were done in the name of Jesus through Philip, and the city was super excited because of Jesus and the message that Philip brought. So we have Philip, um, who is preaching the gospel in Samaria. Now, in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9, we get to meet this guy named Simon, okay? Simon is a magician. 
Um, he lives in Samaria, um, and he is really well known in the Sumerian area as this great magician. Now, uh, uh, verse 9 through 24 kind of chronicles this for you. There is a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city, and he amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was very great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest of the people in the city, saying, this man is the power of God, and he is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic tricks. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, men and women, and even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and he saw the signs and miracles performed, and he was amazed. Now, when this was all happening in Samaria, Philip sent word to John and Peter, and he said, come on down, you have to see what's going on in Samaria. These people are believing, and they're getting baptized. Will you come and lay hands on them so that they too can receive the Holy Spirit and be part of the Christian church? And so Peter and John were like, yeah, we're all about that. So they came down, and they laid hands on the people of Samaria, and they prayed that the Holy Spirit would fall upon those people, and they did, and Simon was watching this. He was watching. He was going, oh my goodness. So you believe in Jesus. These people lay hands on you. You get great magical powers from the Holy Spirit. And then you can do things. That's awesome. I want that. So he went to the disciples and he said, here's a bag of money. Give me the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, it didn't really work like that. So um, he says, give me this power so that whoever I lay hands on may have the Holy Spirit. Peter, I love Peter. He's just like, it, there's a filter missing. And he just says things. And he says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven of you because I see you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Peter is basically saying, you sinner, you heathen, you horrible human being who professed faith in Christ, but you don't understand. You don't really get it. You're trying to buy God. Oh, be gone from me because you do not get the things of God. Your heart is sinful. So we've got this dialogue with Simon the magician that Philip had um, led to the Lord, right? He confessed faith. Simon was baptized, but then he's all just all got the wrong motivation here. So there's this magician, Simon, right? And I want you to think of him kind of like um, a snake oil salesman, if you will, okay? That's kind of how the scriptures present him. Like he's got his cart and he rolls down the thing and he's like, Simon the magician, woo, come see my tricks. And he does these things that were very impressive to the people of that day. And he rigged the results so that um, people would be very impressed with him. Um, and he was so cool that people attributed his powers, his magic tricks, to the power of God. In fact, he was considered by his countrymen to be, quote, the highest God. That's what um, extra biblical historical texts tell us, that the people of Samaria considered him the highest God. Hmm. Then Philip shows up and does these healings, right, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Demons are being cast out and the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and all these great things are happening. And uh, Simon was losing his status. Simon was losing his power. Simon was losing his influence. Simon was losing his bread and butter, right? Because everybody that followed his magic tricks was suddenly seeing real power exercised through the name of Jesus. 
So Simon's like, oh man, I believe. Count me in. I'll be baptized. I want to I wanna get what you have so that I can increase my own authority in this area. So he followed Philip to keep an eye on him. And he was amazed and he was baptized and he claimed belief. And then Peter called in these big guys. And the thing that um, Peter said um, to, to Simon, that, that whole harsh language of uh, may your silver perish with you, um, it was, was the rough summation. Um, we would phrase it like this, to hell with you and your money. That was kind of the Greek translation. Um, the language is softened in the English because you don't really often read to hell with you um, in the Bible. But in the original language, it was that strong because the idea that you can buy God in his favor and his um, glory with money is an idea that only comes from the pit of hell. And so Peter was rebuking that in the strongest way possible. Your idea is straight from the pit of hell, and we will have nothing to do with that. You need to get your heart right with Jesus. Those are some good preaching words. And Simon says, listen, pray for me that this doesn't happen. So here he gets rebuked in the strongest possible way, right? You are a sinner. Your heart is not right. You're on the path to destruction. You need to repent and be saved from this wickedness. And he simply says, pray for me that this doesn't happen. But scripture says he did not pray for himself. He did not repent. He went on with life as usual. And that's the last we hear of Simon the Magician in the Bible. But, now I love digging up the extra biblical history from people that lived in the day, uh, Tacitus and Irenaeus and Josephus and all these people that chronicled the history of their people in that time. And you can read that Simon the Magician moved to Rome after this. And he continued his ways of magic for the crowds and the status and the financial gain. And he went even so far, because he'd walked with Philip for a while, he went even so far to create a magic trick where he buried himself for three days and rose again. Right? Um, and uh, his misunderstandings of the Christian faith, right? He took what he heard and he skewed it for his own gain and he coupled that with his sin nature. Ultimately, history tells us he led an entire group of people away from Christ because when the church was being planted in Rome, at the very same time, Simon was doing this three-day resurrection magic trick claiming he was God and they erected a statue in his honor saying that Simon is the great one. Here's this dude that had the opportunity to follow Christ, and he missed the boat completely. Okay? Philip did some great things for the Lord in Samaria, and Simon was a kind of hitch in the getup. Second thing that we need to chronicle here is the Ethiopian, the eunuch banker, for lack of a better term. Um, this is chronicled in 8, 25 through 40, okay? And you guys might be familiar with this story, right? So Philip was in Samaria, um, but then the Lord said, hey, Philip, go 50 miles down the road on foot. And uh, it's a very deserted place, but I want you to go walk down this deserted road. So he rose and he went. And while he was there, he encountered an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of the queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of all of the queen's treasure. So it's not just that he was a banker. He was the chief financial operator of the Ethiopian nation, 
okay? A significant role, right? Okay? And he was coming to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning in the chariot, and he was reading a scroll from Isaiah. And the Spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. And so Philip went up to him and heard him reading Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come and sit with him in this chariot. And the passage he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied for him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, who is this talking about, the prophet? Who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, told him all the good news about Jesus. And at some point they happened to cross some water. And the Ethiopian says, why should I not be baptized? And they went and they baptized the Ethiopian right there in a puddle of water on the side of the road. And as soon as he was baptized, as soon as they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the, the language there is the Spirit of the Lord snatched him violently away from that location. I don't know what that looks like, but that seems cool to me, okay? <laughs> snatched him away, and he was there no more. And the Ethiopian went on rejoicing, and Philip found himself in another place where he continued to preach the gospel. Gosh, this is a cool story. So... Not a banker, but the minister of finance for the Ethiopian nation. Significant man with significant power. He was not a Jew. He was a God-fearer okay, that had been exposed to the Jewish faith. And he was going faithfully to worship in Jerusalem during a time of festival. But Jewish laws are pretty straightforward. And they state that eunuchs cannot be part of the Jewish religious community. They are defiled. They are not allowed to be part of the Jewish faith and family. So he came to Jerusalem to worship a God whose people said, you don't belong with us. Not only are you a foreigner, you're not Jewish, but you're a eunuch and you're defiled and you cannot be part of the people of God. But he was a God-fearer and he went anyway. I like that about him. And perhaps due to his status at the Ethiopian court and who he represented, he was a, a dignitary, he was able to obtain a scroll of Isaiah. Now, you need to understand the importance of this. You go to Amazon, buy a Bible, right? I mean, like, it takes you, what, like 10 seconds? Okay, um, you know, one click and you, you purchase it. You run down to Walmart, you can buy a Bible. You can go to the store at the uh, Silly Munchkins, you can buy a Bible. All these places in town, buy a Bible. You can even read it on your digital format. You can have a Bible. It did not work like that back then. They had very limited scrolls. They were very precious to the people who had them. And he was able to obtain a scroll, a portion of the copy of the book of Isaiah. And he was reading it, and he didn't understand it. And then, poof, Philip shows up randomly on this deserted road in the middle of nowhere. Okay? Now, the passage that he's reading from is Isaiah. And if you want to flip there, Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Um, where is it? I'll get there. There we go. Uh, you might have to use your table of contents. I struggle sometimes to find books of the Bible fast enough. 
um, Isaiah. Start in, in chapter 52, okay? Um, because the passage, the scroll that he had was Isaiah 52 uh, and forward. And I don't know how forward it went, but it started in Isaiah 52. And this is the passage of scripture that talks about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. So the entire scroll that he had is one that talks about the suffering servant. So Jesus-related text. Um, And the text doesn't tell us what Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch. Just that he opened the scroll and starting at the beginning began to explain how all of this talked about Jesus. Um, And uh, if you've not read this stuff, uh, Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13, my servant will act wisely and he will should be high and lifted up. Um, His uh, appearance was marred beyond human semblance when he was beaten and disfigured uh, before he was crucified. Um, But he will sprinkle many nations Um, And it goes on to talk about the beauty of Jesus. He grew up like a young plant, like a a root out of dry ground, and he wasn't anything to look at that we should desire him. And he was despised and rejected by men. And he was a man of many sorrows, acquainted with grief. And he was despised, and he carried our griefs and our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, but he was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And he died on the cross in our place for our sins. That's what Philip was saying. Listen, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one who came to earth and lived sinlessly so that he would die perfectly. So that when you are imperfect, he would cover your sins by his blood. And you can be part of the body of Christ. Now, we don't know how far his scroll went, but I want to point something out to you. If you flip to Isaiah 56, um, there's something really significant here. And I have to believe that God would have led him this far. I don't know, but I have to. It makes sense to me. Isaiah 56. Imagine Philip, okay, sitting in a chariot with the chief financial officer of Ethiopian finances, right? And he's a foreigner and a eunuch, not permitted in the body of the Jewish believing community, right? But he's a God-fear, and this is what it says in Isaiah 56, verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and who hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name which is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name and they shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer and their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Is that not cool? Can you imagine you have this opportunity to preach to a man who's not welcome in the faith community that he just tried to participate in, and suddenly you have an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to him, and you get to say, hey, everything that has ever been told to you about not being accepted, it's not true. You are totally accepted. Nothing eliminates you from the kingdom of God. And when you hear that message for the first time as someone who's always been told, you don't belong, you're not good enough, you were just born in such a way that you would not be accepted. Whatever it is that the world tells you you do not belong, suddenly someone opens the scripture and says, but you do belong. And but God died for you and he loves you and he welcomes you. And you hear that message for the first time and you're like, I believe this. This is something I like. 
This is good for my soul. See that water? I got to get baptized right now because I believe that Jesus died for my sins. So here we have an Ethiopian eunuch, a foreigner, receiving in faith the message of God's word. Um, Here's why this is important. We know that Simon went on to lead people away from Christ, right? Um, And we know that this encounter is also important because Luke gives us the highlights in Acts, the things that are significant to the life of the church. We get the snapshots. Um, Historians record that the eunuch banker, we don't know his name, went on to become the missionary to Ethiopia. He went home to Ethiopia. He planted churches, and the gospel reached Ethiopia and spread like wildfire because of this man's faith in Christ. Is that, like, super cool? Um, So the question we have to ask ourselves is a comparison of two responses, magician or banker. Magician or banker. Um, One of them had the response that faced... Faith in Christ was based on sight. I see miracles. Um, I see what they can do for me. I can try and earn this or purchase this. And then he led a life that led people away from Christ. He was unwilling to repent of his sin. Maybe he had a simple faith at the very beginning. Maybe he saw something that Philip did and he thought, I know that's not just a parlor trick. I know that's real. But he never followed through with the idea of taking simple faith and turning it into the repentance of sin and the trust in Christ and the submission to the Lord of everything. And unfortunately, that means that you start to go way away from Christ in your life. But then we've got this banker who was sitting alone, coming back from worship at a place that said he was not accepted. And he was reading scripture and he didn't understand it And the Lord provided for him someone who could explain it to him. And in humility and desire to learn and submit, he listened to what someone told him about God. And he said, I need to repent. Not only do I need to repent, but I need to be baptized. I didn't see signs. I didn't see miracles. I didn't see people healed. But I heard the word of God, and I believe. He had faith. In Jesus Christ, by the word of God, he was baptized as a believer in the name of Jesus. And then he went on to live a life of ministry. We need to challenge ourselves as Christians. The reason this is in this book is because Luke wants us to reconcile these two stories together in our life. These are two responses people can have to Christ. You hear about it and you go, that's great. I love that. What can it do for me? Or you hear about it and you go, I'm wrecked before the Lord. I need him to change me from the inside out. Two totally different responses, and they lead you on two totally different paths. We have to ask ourselves as Christ followers, which way are we really living? Are we living in complete and desperate need for the word of God and what it does in our life? Or are we living in such a way that, man, that's a vitamin that I take. It makes me feel good about myself. I'm going to go about my merry way. And we need to wrestle with that because I think it's very easy sometimes to fall into more of Simon the Magician than it is to fall into the role of true disciple like the Ethiopian eunuch. We forget, we forget that we were once told we didn't belong, that we have had to work our whole lives to try and belong in society, 
but that God comes along in our life and says, I love you, you belong. Stop trying to work so hard to earn my favor. You have it, it's free. It's called grace. I died on the cross for your sins. Welcome, child, into the kingdom of God. So we need to evaluate that in our hearts before the Lord this morning as the team is going to come up and lead us in worship. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer. And this might be a great time for you to go, am I more like the magician? Am I more like the banker? Do I really, do I really realize how desperately I need the Lord? Or do I live as if it's my own life and he's just a nice addition to the way that I live? Lord, you gave us a snapshot of the way life can go. Two different paths. And early in my Christian life, I'll be the first to admit, man, I thought you were a nice addition to my life. I was a Christian, but I still lived the way I wanted to. I, I understood who you were, but I didn't submit to you. Um, I trusted you, kind of. And that was the beginning, and I don't negate that at all, Father, because you worked in those seasons of my life. But there's so much more to be had in the life lived with you. And it begins with repentance and submission. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, call us to repent of the things that we need to repent of. And Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might rise in such a way that we know we are yours, that we belong, that we are loved, that we are empowered to do good works, and that our identity is in you and you alone, not what we do, not what we've said, but what you have done for us and the things you have said about us. May we be like the Ethiopian eunuch, Father. May we find a home in you and your people today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You've just heard a message from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. To learn more about our church or to support our ministries, you can visit ktnnaz.org. Thank you.